and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I've asked Georgette Berkheiser back into the studio with me to talk about performance improvement plans. Uh, Just as a reminder, Georgette is our senior HR business partner here at Paylocity, and she supports our sales organization. So Georgette, thanks for jumping on again with me. Yes, thanks for having me again. So we've done a ton of work in the performance space as HR professionals in the last 18 months with everything we've had to do with COVID. Um, You know, in my career, I've seen people go from no performance reviews to yes performance reviews to uh, no performance improvement plans to we need all the performance improvement plans. So I think I'll just start with the basic question. Is the PIP, the performance improvement plan, dead? It is not dead. I think some people would love for it to be dead, but it is very much still alive. Um, I think that it comes in many different forms. And there's a lot of creativity that can be had with the performance plans, um, but it is still alive and kicking. I had a feeling you would say that. Um, You know, we've seen so much change in that space. Uh, I'd love to hear what you've seen and kind of the evolution of performance improvement plans over your career. Absolutely. I've noticed that it, it used to be a means for exiting employees from an organization. And we can look at it very differently now. And in the ways that I've used it, you know, at Paylocity and other companies is when developed the right way, it's really a method for establishing a structured plan geared toward helping an employee and helping them find success in their role and sustain that success. Um, The other thing that I think is unique in modern day that we didn't see so much in the past is that it's evolved from handing over a performance plan and expecting an employee to figure it out. And now there's a much stronger partnership between the manager who's giving that performance plan and the employee. And, you know, I often ask the managers when they come to me and want to consider a performance plan, is this person going to be surprised is the first question that I ask. And also, are you committed to doing everything in your power to help this person be successful? Because if you are going to give them a performance plan and walk away from them for 30 or 60 days, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You really need to be invested in helping them improve their performance and sustain that performance. And you are going to have to invest more time with them than you ever have and more time than you're probably investing in some other members of your team to help them find that success. I think about this kind of the same way I think about Um, our prison system. And maybe that seems like a dramatic example, but um, if you've done any research, you know, Norway is actually one of um, the countries that has the lowest recidivism rates in the world. Um, In 2016, it was 20% within five years didn't have any uh, recidivism coming out of um, prison in Norway. And I just, I, I say that because I think it has to do with your mindset on how you think about performance improvement plans. Like you said, it, it's a two-way street. It isn't just you drop this on an employee's lap and expect them to know everything they need to do. Clearly, something's not working. That's why you're at this point. Do you think there's a difference between 
um, you know, hourly salaried employees exempt or not exempt when it comes to, you know, working through performance improvement plans? To some extent, I think that there is a difference as far as the expectations that are set forth in the PIP. Uh, that, you know, they will be unique to each role, um, to the role that you're doing the performance plan for. There's not a one-size-fits-all. However, the structure should be similar for the most part. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some differences. And I, like I said, I think that just varies from role to role and depending on the industry as well. When you've worked with your managers to create performance improvement plans, how do you think about the stakeholders that need to be involved in that process? Yes. So the stakeholders that are involved are, of course, the manager, the employee, and typically an HR business partner. I always recommend that the manager's manager is involved to some extent as well. So that employee knows that this performance plan is being supported all the way up and that this is not just a spontaneous decision that a manager got upset with performance one day and decided to create a performance plan. So my recommendation is always the manager and the HR business partner create that plan together. Um, of course, review that with the manager's manager, if you will. And then once the performance plan is delivered, which I typically recommend is delivered between the manager and the employee. I like to give employees dignity when it comes to these situations and not get too many people involved. And I know that sometimes when the HR business partner is sitting at the table for that, that can be a bit uncomfortable, um, especially if the manager isn't familiar with the business partner, or I'm sorry, if the employee is not familiar with the business partner in the way that the manager is. And then once that PIP is delivered, I always recommend that the second level manager reaches out just to say, hey, I know that you reviewed a PIP with your manager. I just want you to know that you have my support of that PIP as well. And I'm an added uh, person to help you find success while on this PIP. I love that you hit the point and you use the phrase supported, that we're here to support you through this process. You know, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. It doesn't take away from expectations. We're not talking about that. Um, but it is about mindset and framework. When you've worked on performance improvement plans, what's typically the length that people should be thinking about of, of keeping somebody on a plan? I target 30 to 90 days. So I like to set the precedent that it is a 30-day plan. And that's for a couple reasons. One being that I want the employee to understand that there is a sense of urgency in demonstrating an improvement in performance. And also, I want there to be accountability for the manager to quickly start helping that employee. I think a lot of times, even if you do a 30-day performance plan, it makes sense to extend it to 60 days sometimes. So if you're seeing that improvement in performance, okay, we want to make sure that you can sustain this performance now. So we want to keep, you keep doing what you're doing. We want to continue to see what you've done and see this improvement that you've made. We just want to make sure that you can sustain it. And then I think, you know, where we start getting into it being a little bit too long is probably after that 90 day mark. I think it starts to lose its value. It gets a little bit watered down. And the employee doesn't take it as serious at that point. Um, and, and like I said, it just starts losing its value. So 30 to 90 days is really that sweet spot. 
You mentioned some flexibility there, and I'm curious when you've when you've created performance improvement plans in the past, and you know I've done this. Is there is a degree of flexibility um, for time frame, but also how you work through the PIP based on the role? You know, some some roles, and it depends upon the work they're doing. Thirty days might not be enough to see that change. Um, what flexibility have you seen, or have you encouraged as you work through these? Flexibility is really important. Um, I think that consistency is also important. So you've got to balance the two. When I speak of consistency, I mean that there needs to be an overall framework across the company so that it's not varying drastically what we're expecting of one employee versus another employee in the same function or even in the same role. But the flexibility does come in from the standpoint of there are going to be expectations in that performance plan. And let's say that there's 10 metrics, right? Let's say that the employee hits nine out of 10 of those metrics. If the manager is satisfied with that, I think that the manager needs to have flexibility to say, you know what, I have seen the improvement that I've wanted to see in this employee, and I'm okay pulling back and either taking this person off the performance plan or extending it. I don't want that to ever feel like that, it, that there is pressure from the HR business partner or other leaders to exit someone from the organization. Um, I do like for the manager to have that flexibility to decide what makes sense for their team and their employee. How have you coached managers when they've um, kind of shied away from that flexibility and have been more rigid in how they've looked at performance? I try to capitalize on honest conversations. I talk about honest conversations all the time and it's one of those situations where you have to lead with empathy and put yourself in the employee's shoes. So if we are putting them on a performance plan, we owe it to them to have time and support to be able to successfully complete that plan. And you know, if you're in their shoes, you you want the same for you. So I just try to have those honest conversations and in, encourage the managers to have those honest conversations with the employee to understand, hey, what is still getting in the way? Or what has really been working for you that's helped you excel in this role? And how can we continue that? Yeah, honesty is something that I think we get stuck on in HR, um, meaning that I think it, for good reasons, we worry about, you know, legal precedent and making sure that we say the right things. And there's definitely a, a change happening in, in even how HR professionals talk to people and how we think about that word transparency and honesty. In, in, in a good way, I think we're becoming more transparent and more honest in our communication. As you've worked through performance improvement plans, you know, I had like a template I would use you know, what's kind of your go-to template or your categories that you think are really important to make sure included in a PIP? Sure. There's four sections that I consider. The first is define what the PIP is and what the expectations of the PIP will be. Outline where the employee is falling short. So that is what have you identified so far that is causing them to kind of miss the mark or what are those metrics that they're missing? Then specify what areas need improvement and what your expectations are going to be going forward. And lastly, articulate what the potential outcome is if those expectations aren't met. I think it's really important, too, as you think through those examples of where they're not meeting expectations, 
to be really specific, you know, I've seen pips before where it's like, do better. I mean, that's not, that's not what it said, but for lack of better description, yeah, right. like do better, improve this way, think more strategic, like these very vague comments that aren't driven to what we talked about before is actually improving their performance, giving them something tangible and tactical to work on. Um, and sometimes those those are, you know, higher level thinking things that they need to kind of step back and look at some soft skills work that they need to do. But I, I genuinely believe that if you're at the point where you're having a performance improvement plan conversation, you should have enough of those examples to be able to that have been documented that you have been able to to give to the employee. Um, so let's say you have a, a performance concern, you've done the coaching, you're at that crossroad where, hey, you know, I don't think a performance improvement plan is going to help this employee. Walk me through how you've done that. You know, I've done it a couple of times in my career, and I think it's that move to a more honest HR, a more transparent HR how have you had those conversations? Yes. So like you said, going back to the honest conversations, I think that as a business, you need to ask yourself, did I put this person in a position for success? And if the answer to that is no, a performance plan is not the right method. I think it makes sense to look at more of a severance or some type of agreement between the employee and the company as to how you can help them transition to another role or something outside of the organization if you haven't set them up for success in their role, or if their role has evolved into something different over time that their skill set no longer matches. Again, not a one-size-fits-all strategy for that. Severance is an option. Severance looks many different ways. There's also just transition plans. And, you know, kind of tying this back to the performance improvement plan before managers put an employee on a plan, I always encourage them to sit down with that employee and say, hey, you know, we're to the point now where we've had a lot of coaching conversations and I've expressed that there are some areas where you're missing the mark, as I'm sure that you realize. I'm putting together a performance plan right now, but I want you to take the next seven to 10 days to think about, are you willing to invest in this performance plan? Or do we want to just have a conversation about how I can help you transition outside of the organization. Either way, I'm very willing to support you as your leader, but I want to be honest with you about where you stand. And I want you to feel that you have the option to, to choose either way, whether you explore the performance plan and commit to that, or just say that it's that you've done all you can do and you want plan with, uh, or you want help with a plan to, to leave the organization. I think that's such an important point. Um, you know, I, I like to tell people that I want your exit experience to be good as your entry experience. And I genuinely believe that. I think if you have that mindset in HR, then when you go down the road of performance improvement plans or severance plans or transition agreements or even moving somebody into a new role, you can keep that framework in place. Um, Now, whether the employee experiences it the same way is is obviously up to them and and where (laughs) they're at. But I think, you know, as HR professionals, we can do our due diligence to make sure that we are writing the ship when it comes to performance improvement plans and really focusing in on that improvement piece and not using it as a tool for termination. Um, you know, if, if you know you're already going to terminate somebody, then have that conversation. You know, just be honest 
You know, you Absolutely. don't need to go through this this extra um, process and paperwork. Nobody wants more paperwork anyway. So, um, absolutely, this was great. Any last advice, Georgette, for people that are you know working through performance improvement plans? The only other thing that I, I don't think we hit on that I think is important is just the documentation. So I recommend keeping the, this document that you create around the expectations. Um, in a place that can be located by the manager and the employee at any time. I also recommend keeping progress reports in that same area. So within our own tool, we use journals, um, and that's a great way for both the manager and the employee to always access it. We use comments within those journals for weekly progress reports. And I always encourage the employees to comment with any questions or concerns that they have, as well as their own progress if they would like to give that on a weekly basis um, to be viewed by the manager. So that's another key piece, especially if it doesn't turn out the way that we all hope. Uh, you definitely want to have that documentation at the end, but it's, it's good for accountability purposes by either party as well. It also provides that opportunity for um, realignment if the employee thinks that they're making a lot of progress and the manager isn't seeing it. So um, really good yeah. last thoughts there, Georgette. So thanks for taking a few minutes to jump on with me today. Yes, thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.